I'm Morgan Barnhart. And I'm Brad Acre, and you're listening to Underrated America Cincinnati. We started this podcast to shine a light on the gems of Cincinnati and show listeners what makes this a great place to call home. And why we're proud of our city. So we're going to highlight the food scene, culture, nightlife, entertainment, the arts, and everything that makes the city great. Especially the leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are making it all happen. This, this is, is Underrated, Underrated America, America Cincinnati. Cincinnati. So basically, this idea for this podcast came up from uh, talking to a lot of people who uh, love living in Cincinnati, but are a little hesitant to say it, um, you know, a little unsure if it's a cool thing to actually love being here or uh, to embrace being in or from Cincinnati. Um, so we wanted to uh, spotlight some things that we really love about the city. Yeah, it's actually funny because we sat down and we we were talking about doing a real estate podcast and yeah. Brad's a realtor and, and I'm in mortgages and I'm like what could what could make this more interesting because that sounds like the most boring podcast topic <laughs> of all time uh, so we wanted we we sat down and we thought about it and we wanted to really highlight and shine light on the gems of Cincinnati to ultimately attract people to either stay here if they're already here or live here if they are not, or just at least be proud of where they're from. So we were going to highlight the food scene, the education, the art, uh, the nightlife, entertainment, and everything that makes the city great. And then also, especially highlighting the people that uh, contribute to that. So yeah. it, it kind of stemmed from that, making it a uh, better than a real estate podcast <laughs> much better <laughs> so we'd really love to start off with you just stating your name and introducing yourself and what you do i'm tom funky i created funky presents which is uh, an event production company here in cincinnati been going since about 2015 prior to that i owned a pottery studio in town and then prior to that i worked in foreign service so i moved to the city permanently in 2004 and have done a variety of things since I've been in the town. Yeah. So 2004, that's a long time. Uh, it is a long time. You know, a local now. <laughs> um, but what? In some ways. I still can't answer the question, what high school did you go to? I was literally going to do that next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to I was gonna be like, okay, we have a couple of native questions before you state where yeah. you're from. And one of them was, what school did you go to, Tom? So I went to Desmet Jesuit, which is similar to, I think, Moeller here. Mm. I like that you can give the comparison. And he did. You know exactly uh, he already what knew. I, I've had, means. I feel rehearsed he on that. He said high school. It's my five-minute spiel at a gala. <laughs> they <laughs> ask me what I... I need to work on mine because Jennings County High School in Southern Indiana, there's not really a yeah, comparison. Yeah, Brad's not a right? local. No. I'm right? not a local. One. I did, this just happened to me the other day. I was at an Emerging Leaders event and with networking and there were several people that weren't from here. And when I said, someone's like, oh, what school did you go to? And I said my high school, they looked at me so weird. Well, they were from New York. Yeah. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we were- it's different. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we were in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. But my other question was a native question, which I didn't even prep this to Brad, oh, but here we go. okay. So 
there is a certain candy. It's a peanut butter cup. Okay. Chocolate yep. with peanut butter cup. How yep. do you pronounce that candy, Tom? I pronounce it Reese's. Oh, okay. So he's is still that... a Midwesterner. Okay. So I don't, I don't it... know the background on that. Yeah. That's so a... Reese's Pieces is like how like Cincinnatians say it, Reese's, but it's Reese's. Reese's. I yeah. do say, no, you know, it depends on who I'm around. Right. I do say Reese's sometimes. Okay. So he's, he's truly now, we can call him. He's when I was young, I said Reese's, but I converted right? at some point. Everyone I think converts. maybe I was shamed for that. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird one. But I, I had to double check on the commercials. I'm like, oh, I was wrong all my life. Not well, that and important. my first experience with Reese's peanut butter cup was not the peanut butter cup. It was the egg shape ones yeah. that they had at Easter time. Yeah. They somehow taste better. They do somehow <laughs> taste better. And then like 10 years ago, they started creating all those shapes for all the other holidays. <laughs> but that was my first experience with a Reese's. So. That's our first call when we get a sponsorship. It's yeah, Reese's. right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, good idea, Brad. Um, brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> it brought to you by, exactly. So I do want to get back to that. 2004, sure. like, what brought you here? Uh, especially 2004 in Cincinnati, very yeah, different than today. It, it was yeah. very different. When I first moved here, it was during the race riot issues. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't full-time here. I still kept my place in Chicago and kind of split my time. But family brought me here. After my father passed away, my mom and younger sister relocated up here. And then a family member took terminally ill oh. and uh, just brought me to the area. I wanted to spend time with her while she was still around. And when I did that, um, I was on leave from the job that I had in Chicago. And I just... I like to keep busy, so I started doing some other work while I was here, and then I started um, my first business, and then went to my second business, and just kind of kept kept going with it, and stayed in Cincinnati. That's amazing. It's unique story. Everyone has their unique story, but being able to start a business because you're inspired to do so is something that is unique to this city, and I think that's awesome. I feel like it's easier here. Um, what I, what I find interesting about Cincinnati is that you can, in small ways, make a, make a big difference here compared to a bigger city like yeah. Chicago, where there's a lot of noise going around and there's a lot more competition. And I feel like there's kind of this craftsmanship culture in Cincinnati that kind of uh, fosters people with ideas doing different things. And, you know, there are a lot that try and fail, but there are a lot... Um, that get the support from the community to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. I had a friend that just opened up on Main Street. It was a uh, like a basically a beauty salon where she specializes in, in skincare, and she's just from Columbus. And she said the fact that I can have a space downtown, like a prime spot, is so rare. Yes, I feel like the barrier to entry for small businesses in Cincinnati is so much easier. Yeah. And they really support each other. She was saying that the small business owners, they communicate with each other and they have each other's back, which is super cool, especially in a in times like the riots, like back in oh, 2004. For sure. so, well, and I think if you talk to people that didn't grow up in Cincinnati, they will definitely tell you how much easier it is here. Yeah. People in Cincinnati, you know, they they kind of see see it as more difficult than it is. But those that come, those transplants that come to the city they see, you know, how much simpler it is to do things like mm -hmm. that. 
you said it was a studio that you had. Mm-hmm. What neighborhood was that in? Yeah. It was in Oakley. It was oh. called Funky Fired Arts. Um, and before that, it was called Annie's Mud Pie Shop. And I bought that and converted it. And now, today, I sold it a number of years ago, and it became Queen City Clay. Mm. Uh, that still goes on today. So... I love Queen City Clay. Yeah. This is just a fun thing for like families to do and couples to do. I go there all the time. They do uh, classes, offer classes. Yeah. It's really cute. Things spin pottery. That and is so really the cool, Tom. Ran my academic program at Funky Fired Arts, took it over and turned it into Queen City Clay. Did you so. find that inspiration here? Like, w- were you already doing pottery before here? Or? I was already doing ceramics before. Yeah. So I'm what they call a hybrid. I do sculpture and wheel throwing. Yeah. I was doing that in Chicago. And when I came here, in that short time when I was really spending a lot of time with my family, I just needed an outlet. So I went there just to work out of the studio and doing my own work. And then the owner came up to me and said, hey, you know, I am looking to sell or close the business. Would you be interested? And I thought about it overnight and then went back to her and said, yes, I'm interested. And so we took it from a studio that did some classes and sold some supplies and added a few different divisions. So we greatly expanded the classes and then we added two art galleries and then expanded our offerings of supplies and things like that and kind of the role of doing things in the community. Yeah. And so I did that for almost seven years. And then things just have a natural evolution. I loved it, but I felt like my time there was was not over, but it was just time for someone else to kind of pick up the mantle and run with it. And so I was very happy that a group of people were interested and it was just a natural evolution. And now Queen City Clay is doing better than Funky Fired Arts did. And and that makes me proud just to be part of that. But I really give kudos to them for taking it and running with it and adding their own spin to it. I like when, when that that kind of cult of personality doesn't destroy something and you let you let people just take it and, and let it naturally evolve. That is such a cool story. I love the origin because I'm like, oh, I knew that. That's the funny thing about Cincinnati is like they say what Kevin Bacon has seven degrees of separation Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. There's about two. Two. I mean, it's like, and even when you're not from here, but you've been here long enough, I mean, the connections are pretty wild. Speaking of Oakley, so what is one of your favorite neighborhoods in the city and why? This might be a tough question because there's a lot of little There are a lot of great pockets that I love. Um, I do have to say Over the Rhine is one of my favorites for multiple reasons. It's the architecture, the fact that that neighborhood, it's one of, I think, one of the largest neighborhoods in the United States that's historically preserved. Yeah, that's correct. uh, Yeah. Or protected. Mm -hmm. I love walking culture. And for me, what was interesting, I was living, after I lived in Oakley, I moved to Northern Kentucky. to help out with another family member that wasn't doing so well. Mm. And then after after we got her through her treatments, I was kind of faced with the decision, do I stay in Cincinnati? Do I maybe move back to Chicago or DC? And a friend of mine was looking to rent the second room in his apartment right on Washington Park. Mm. And I said, you know, what I miss most is walking culture. And so um, I gave it a shot and then 
I've been in Over the Rhine now since 2016, and I, I love the neighborhood. I love how it's evolving. I think we overlook the fact that it's being done in a in a conscious way more so than than other cities. Yes, there's always discrepancies. Evolution always leaves some people behind, but we're not leaving as many people behind as some of the urban redevelopment and some of the other metro areas in the United States. And I think we have to be proud of that fact. There are protections in place for different different groups of people. Definitely. Now you mentioned walking culture off Washington Park. There's now grocery store just south of there. How many times do you have to get in a car? I mean, are you staying? Are you walking everywhere or? You know, I'm walking everywhere unless I'm doing big grocery shopping yeah. and I don't want to carry that like ginormous toilet paper roll thing yeah. with me. Although sometimes it's fun if you wear it like a hat, you know, I feel like I'm back in Africa <laughs> um, where everything's carried in a sack on your head oh or on God. your on your hips. But no, I walk almost everywhere. That grocery store, as soon as that opened up, that just that just changed so much. So you've highlighted this a little bit so far, but what do you think ultimately makes Cincinnati different from other cities, especially like Chicago? Because it's still a Midwest city and obviously it's bigger. But what do you think as far as the major differences between places you've lived or just places you've visited? I feel like hometown pride is really strong here. Mm -hmm. I, I think you can say that about a lot of places, but people are defensively protective about Cincinnati and its identity. Um, I think that's unique. I think the fact that for a city of its size, the way that it values the arts, I mean, we have one of the top ballet companies in the United States, symphonies, operas, the theater companies that we have, the amount of small local theaters, the ability for artists to be able to make livable wages in a city this size is really rather interesting. And the other point of difference too is I think for a city it's of its size, there's so much going on. There's so many festivals, there's so many openings and happenings, and a lot of the programming is geared to make it as accessible to people as possible. It doesn't have that air of snobbery up around a lot of it. Some of it still does, but I guess that's what I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a great answer. Even last summer, the, I was walking my dog, and I came across the Cincinnati Ballet. It was in the park, yeah, just free. <laughs> like, yeah. and we yeah. sat down, and and I was amazed by um, they were just promoting the arts here. And that you have the Shakespeare yep. um, theater. And then the fact that we have access to Broadway plays is exactly. incredible. And then when you have like UC's CCM, I feel like that attracts a lot too. But you're completely right. And I'm loving the the artwork now. Like all the street art oh, is street so oh, absolutely. fun. And absolutely. with the walkability, you're like... It's just, it makes it even better. Like, you're... Oh, for sure. And it feels representative of the community too. You know, they've made conscious efforts. You have to applaud artworks for selecting the right artist, the right subject matter. And they've taken critique and criticism well, and they've made that adjustment. The needle still has to be pushed further, Sure, but it, we've come a long way. Yeah, I think there's a, a culture of avoiding gatekeeping 
different identities of the city, but also the arts, the fact that art can't be more approachable than a mural on the street. It's for everyone. Oh, it's not just for the people who can afford to pay for the museum entry fee. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I kind of want to get into some of your events that you yeah. hold. Yeah. So I know you've talked about the evolution of getting out of pottery, but how did Funky Productions start? So it kind of started when I worked for the Quebec delegation in Chicago and Foreign Service. I worked with the Cultural Affairs Attaché, and one of the reasons they recruited me was at the university I went to. I went to Loyola University in Chicago. I worked a lot with speaker series and concert series that came on a collegiate level, and that really attracted the Cultural Affairs Attaché for the Quebec delegation when we were being recruited. And so I worked with that group and did a number of things from trade shows to exhibition type things. And then when I moved to Cincinnati, when I had the pottery studio and then I had the art gallery, every time I did an art gallery opening, I'd have a performing arts troupe or something like that participate to try to make it a multi-sensory experience. And then when I sold that, a really good friend of mine, Pam Kravitz, was doing a series for the Carnegie Museum in Northern Kentucky called The Art of Food. And she said, we could really use your weird brain. And I'm like, <laughs> are you sure about that? And she's like, absolutely. And so I started working with her and, and that troupe, which became known as the Polyester Spy Club. <laughs> Um, and we started doing a number of events, and then I started doing more events on my own. And then it sort of materialized from there. It's funny, I can't remember my first event as Funky Presents because it just snowballed after that. I was doing gallery openings and things for museums and business launches and and some like product line launches for some of the larger companies. It's so cool. I didn't realize the like broadband of the different event types because that was one of my next question is what type of events do you produce? But that is such a widespread coverage of events, especially product launches. Yeah. What it's it really fascinating, some of those, because it, it looks like some of those cheesy movies where you've got these hype people that come out and there's the pow-pows behind them and the streamers <laughs> coming up and they're like let's get hyped for the new Swiffer. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but it's a thing. And so it was kind of interesting. I helped out with another person that was doing them. And then I ended up doing a few of them. I can't say which ones. I'm contractually obligated not to be able to say which projects, but it was just really fascinating the way that they come out and hype something like paper towels. And you're like, awesome. <laughs> so what can someone expect if they're looking for an awesome night out? And when I see a, a post online about funky productions, Yeah, what am I walking into? So I really like for people from the minute they walk in the door to the minute they leave, there's something new that they're seeing. So I like the multi-sensory experience. I go as far as like, I scent the space, the lighting is essential, the performing artists who greets you at the door, how they greet you at the door, the curation of the food and the cocktails. A lot of what I do now is more party focused. So I just came off the event at Somerset, which was called Samhain, which the inspiration for that was The Wicker Man and yeah. Midsummer. And then I did the same night, The Dollhouse at Alice. 
And so that had inspiration from American Horror Stories and a few different other things. But yeah, when you walk in, the, the way the music's curated, the evolution through the experience, I want people to have a, a good time from the minute they come in. I also love metrics. So I love looking at after an event, what did people consume food-wise or beverage-wise? When did they leave? How did they leave? There's some interesting metrics that people typically stay about two hours at a place, and then they're kind of ready for another experience. Cincinnati's a hop-around city. No one wants to commit. That's the one thing about Cincinnati. No one wants to commit true. until last that minute. That's very true. They're, I'm they're always, guilty of that. Yeah, they're always <laughs> like, okay, is there something else that's going to come up? Do yeah. I really want to do that? The opportunity cost of committing to the wrong thing oh, 100%, is pretty high. A hundred percent. And you don't want to be judged. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no sense because there's no traffic in Cincinnati and everywhere is 15 minutes away. Exactly. So the fact that you can't commit is... Oh, exactly. But that is actually why. Because when you're in LA or some of these other cities, like you have to you pick have one. You have to pick one. Yeah. yeah. You can't really just travel like, oh, I'm going to go here. No, you're not. You're going to go to one place and Absolutely. one place only. Right. Or you oh do the gosh. two and then you make a party in the car between the two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. So speaking of those two recent events, which sound incredible, and I was supposed to be at Alice and I'm now I'm really sad that I yeah. missed it. Now I'm going to be like out. interrogating my friends like, what did it smell like? What did, like, what, what did it sound like? I love this I might this need sensory. you to stage some open houses actually based yeah. on what you just said with <laughs> yeah. you know the whole sensory experience and then data it's, too. You're not just doing it by feel. Yeah, the metrics is impressive. Yeah. Like, I'm so shocked by that. I wouldn't have thought about, you know, really dialing in on the consumption and the time they leave. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You'd have to give them some of your commission though, Brad. You I mean, know, obviously it'd be worth it though. <laughs> well, it's fun. Some of the metrics, because I love that just from my like data analysis when I worked in political science and mm -hmm. things like that, it's just fascinating because it also helps. I hate when you get to a bar and you have to wait forever to get a drink. Mm -hmm. So being able to know what that customer, because it's different for different ones, being able to know what they're going to drink and have that ready as a feature moves people through fast. Because I know about tolerance level for waiting in line for a drink, what that is. And then people get sick and tired and then they're like, peace out. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go down the street. This is Morgan Barnhart, co-host of Underrated America and loan officer with Cross Country Mortgage on Team Barnhart. I offer a wide range of products to help you and your families achieve all of your home financing goals. I believe the mortgage process is about building relationships, not just completing transactions. I will advise and educate you to make for a stress-free and smooth loan experience. Connect with me on Instagram at Mortgages with Morgan for more information and a free consultation. This is Brad Acree, co-host of Underrated America and realtor with Better Way Home at Keller Williams Advisors Realty, where I help Cincinnati move confidently. If you are considering a move, you can get more information at mybetterwayhome.com or find me on social at Better Way Home. We had this idea of a podcast to like present Cincinnati and what yeah. we love about it. And already we're on interview one and I'm like, there's so much out there that I know nothing about. Oh, I haven't sure. been to a, fu a funky productions event yet, but I, I can guarantee you that I will. And I'm sure people listening to this will too. This is amazing. Thanks. Yeah. How many hours are you putting into these events? Oh, like it's the crazy. Um, yeah. 
it's kind of interesting. You have to think seasons ahead. Yeah. The fact that you can plan all those at the same time too. I'm like, I you know it's can't a challenge. Imagine. It's a challenge. <laughs> COVID really hurt the event industry. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it I've been doing myself until kind of events got back up with a regular pace. And now I've been adding staff back in to be able to help with some of that. But yeah, I was going to ask you if what is your staff size? It's me. And then I have two main assistants. And then depending on the event, uh, I bring in other people. Yeah. And so that that leads to my other question. Like a lot of these events require an enormous amount of collaboration with sponsors and artists and yeah. like community leaders. So how do you approach that collaboration? Obviously you have a very good reputation here, but what are some, you know, tips or tricks that you use to gather these people for one event? You know, it's it's picking the right audience. My burlesque events, I can't go to some of my clients that are a little more suburban it might be a little a little too edgy for them so you know that's part of it but then i love to showcase other artists other creatives other small businesses so i think of myself as a curator in many ways some of the artists that were performing for this some of them have their own companies the graphic designer the videographer who did the promo videos is starting his own company And then some of the kind of community leaders that want to showcase, especially like POC performers and things like that, being able to work with them. And then I go to the corporations and I say, this is, this is what we're doing. Here's our target audience. Are you interested? Especially when I get into things like pride, when I do a lot of the pride events, I go that way to make sure that it's, it's properly curated with who's trying to represent what at them. Yeah, that's a perfect segue to into my next question. How do you view your work in the larger LGBTQ community here in Cincinnati? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, It's still a homophobic city. Unfortunately, in some regards, in other regards, it's not. It's very evolved. But in the greater metro area, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And it's funny, given that we have landmark Supreme Court cases that started here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but we still have that issue. You'll see that in Over the Rhine on an average Friday or Saturday night, you know, homophobic slurs and things like that shouted out from the streets. But you have, at that same time, you have people around that shout back, allies that shout back. So those voices are becoming louder. I do see myself as an activist in the community during Pride. I do a happy hour that hops around in OTR downtown, a little bit in Clifton. And the original intent was to showcase safe spaces that weren't necessarily LGBTQ designated spaces. Mm. And then a portion of all of the consumables, drinks and food would go to a local charity organization with boots on the ground in Cincinnati. This year we spotlit Transform. Uh, which is a really interesting organization that helps with the trans community with kind of all stages of it. Whether you're considering a transition, you're going through it, but it helps their families, like health and human services. So that's who we uh, spotlighted (laughs) this year. The thing that I find the most challenging sometimes since I do do a lot of the events, I do the Pride After Party, I do a number of other events, is getting pigeonholed. Sometimes I get pigeonholed into being 
an LGBTQ event producer when that's really about 10% of what I do. And I I wear that with pride, something, knock on wood, um, (laughs) sometimes, but it's also an obstacle. Um, It's still a little bit of an obstacle, especially coming out of Pride Month. People expect, you know, all of my things to be that way. And they're not, most of them are not. Yeah. Especially when you're having events for paper towels, that's complete. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That showcases your ability right there. So speaking of misconceptions and judgment, Mm -hmm. I feel that you said this earlier that people that are from Cincinnati and it's their hometown, there is a very like defensive attitude to back it up. And I was telling Brad this story, like when I moved to LA, I remember I was on this rooftop bar in downtown LA, super swanky. There was like a pool yeah. in this bar. I mean, yeah. it, and being from the West, I'm like, oh my gosh, where am I? But I remember when I said to someone, I was like, oh, I'm from Cincinnati. They're like, oh, you're from the cornfields. <laughs> and I'm like- It's it, so true. Yeah. It's so true. So what do you And what think? is it about, isn't Ohio like the fourth or fifth most populous state? We have yeah. all these metro areas and- all anybody thinks about is flat cornland. Right. It's crazy. It is very it's a, bizarre. It's a branding problem for sure. It is a branding problem. It you is might a be branding able to help problem. us with that. Maybe. Yeah, right? I we'll know. See. All right, hear that aftab. Make, our city, make yeah. our city smell better, Tom. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Let's just start exactly. spritzing lavender into the air. Yeah, just seriously. calm everyone down. So what do you think is the biggest misconception of the city? I know there's a lot. You know, there's an expression that Cincinnati's 10 years behind the time. And... Maybe in some ways it is, but in other ways it's not. I mean, it's very progressive with its urban development right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's happening faster here than other cities. It's happening faster here than Brooklyn, which is getting exponentially more finances allocated to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a big misconception. Another misconception, people do say it's friendly, but they also say it's cold. Yeah, I felt when I first moved here, Cincinnatians greet strangers with a little bit of suspicion. Like, who are you? What are you? What are you trying to do? And I don't think that's wrong, but then they they do welcome you. So I do think that's a misconception as well. It's a misconception that we're backwards because we're not. Mm-hmm. I also think people think Cincinnati is just a simple, it's just one of those forgettable towns. But then when they come here, they're, they're shocked and surprised by it. I met a woman yesterday at Taft Ale House. I popped over there for lunch. I was using toothpicks to hold my eyes open from the weekend. <laughs> it was crazy. And she was in from Denver. And she said, I had $200. I wanted to see where I could fly. And it, she spent $135 to fly from Denver to Cincinnati. She wanted to go see Fritz at the zoo and Fiona. And then she was talking with a few other people that were kind of neighborhood folks about what there is to do in Cincinnati. And she changed her return flight ticket while she was sitting there eating some tots and drinking a flight of Taft's beer. And she added going to Taft Museum, the Contemporary Art Center, with the first Zaha Hadid building in the United States. She was then going to go to see the Painted Lady District of Homes in Columbia Tusculum and just all these other things. And she's surprised by that. And I think that's interesting. I think we convert people as soon as they come because there is a lot to do and you can do it affordably. 
and you can hit a number of things in one day, kind of like what you were touching on earlier. L.A., you want to go to the Getty Museum? That's all you're doing that day. Yeah. Um, if you make it there. Yeah. If you, if you, for, <laughs> yeah. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Topanga Canyon was like my, my – <laughs> that was the hole that I never got oh, out God. of while I was there. But, yeah, I think that's part of it. She hit three different museums in one day, and she tried out – a number of different restaurants. That's something too. We have a culinary scene unlike so many. Just the diversity of food and the quality of food and the quality of ingredients. The fact that maybe we do live near cornfields. We have such great sources for local produce and it's incredible. And you don't have to put on a three-piece suit to go to those places. You no, can dress you like I am today and go to the best restaurants in the exactly. city. Exactly. It's amazing. And you can you be don't as need basic as you are right now yeah. and have a great experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been called worse. Basic I'll Brad. Again. Basic Brad. Yeah. <laughs> Tom just gave you a hashtag. Yeah. Basic Brad. Well, I don't know. Oh, no. Well, I'm going to need a rebranding. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that, too. <laughs> Thank you. We'll scent it. How do you see the city evolving in the next five or 10 years? And I actually kind of want to make that a two-part question. How do you see it evolving and how do you hope it evolves? I hope that it continues to evolve to not leave people behind, especially our African-American community, our mm -hmm. the kind of Latinx diaspora that has settled in Cincinnati. I want to make sure that everybody's included in the narrative and that we don't whitewash the story. I think that's really important. I think we're doing better than some cities, but we we have a lot of improvement that we can do. And also just, you know, for the LGBTQ community to make sure that we continue as we're seeing some of these court cases right. with Roe v. Wade and they're talking about they're coming after the cases that permitted same-sex marriage. Is it Obergefell. Obergefell. Mm -hmm. I always the pronounce it wrong. The and the Windsor cases. We just need to make sure that we don't leave people behind as we do that. What was the other part of your question? How do I... How do you see it evolving? And I think you answered how you hope to see yeah. it evolve. So. I hope to see that we bring more people back down to living in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Different groups of people that really helps keep it dynamic. What killed our cities was everybody moving to the suburbs. Yeah. yeah. And I, so seeing people move down, like where I live up by Washington Park, you have a, a mix of incomes. You have empty nesters that moved from the suburbs down, and then you have families starting out. I would say I'd like to see it continue to have affordable options. OTR is one of the most expensive neighborhoods now to live in. And it was started, this renaissance was started by urban artists, yeah. black, white, and brown, who banded together to kind of promote the performing arts scene, the bar culture, the visual art culture. And now a lot of them are priced out of the market, so they can't even live down there. Yeah, A that's... big problem there is some of the zoning that it's not legal to build a multi-family place in most exactly. of the city. And I think if we have more urban policies rather than the suburban policies that 100%. Took, took place decades ago, yeah. that yeah. help. We're definitely going to need, this is like a huge political battle. It and is. Especially with the tax rate. So 
as a, a lender, I'm licensed in all 50 states and I look at tax rates all across the country. Everyone's like, oh, California is so expensive. It's like their tax rate is 1.75. Right. Do you know what ours is in the city? Yeah. 2.23. I'm pretty sure. And the base of our tax rate in Cincinnati is 1.75, but then they charge us for all the schools and everything, but they need to find a way to make it more affordable. Yes, we have a lower population, but something has to be done because what made the OTR so great were all of those people that are now getting pushed out to suburbs where they don't belong. Right. Yeah. Right. Brad and I were mentioning this before the show. We're like, we really wanted to go to a funky production event. Where is somewhere where guests can look to see like upcoming events? Sure. um, Ones that are obviously not private events. Where's the best place to get your information out there? I would say follow me on Instagram at Funky Presents. I do also have a website, funkypresents.com. I've got a number of series that are starting, which I'm excited about. I have a burlesque series called the Sapphire Lounge that's starting at Summer House, which is the event space by Somerset. It's on Republic. Yeah, I've been there once. I haven't so been there. Oh it's my kind gosh. of a different experience. And then at Alice, I'm taking over the last weekend of the month and we're bringing in go-go dancers and just kind of... That's ongoing every month? It's going to be ongoing. When I did their grand opening, I had dancers and they said... We love the hype. It started people dancing two hours earlier because who wants to be that first person on the dance floor? Cincinnati I mean, is, I do yeah. if I have the right if I have the right <laughs> liquid courage sometimes. But it's exactly. easier to be the first person if you know that there's a second person that's uh, going to truth, follow. Like truth. you need you need a yeah. community there. You'll go one one Saturday and it's the dance party of the year, and mm-hmm. then you go the next Saturday and it's ambient, everybody hanging around, twiddling their thumbs yeah. and. So this, the message is clear, come and dance, be part of the dance. And we're actually going to do, we thought about this over the weekend, we're going to do an open call for go-go dancers. And people have this idea, they think of go-go dancers as strippers, and they're not, they're the party starters. Yeah. Back in the day, we used to call them the fluffers, but in other industries that has a very different... that that got taken over. (laughs) Yeah, that got taken over, but we just, they kind of fluffed up the night. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to have kind of an open call for it. We're going to give you five minutes to hop up on a go-go platform. You pick the song and just strut your stuff. And if... If we like you, we're going to ask you back to come dance. So hopefully, maybe no. maybe we do round two, and it's <laughs> I'll sit on the other side of the mic, and and you guys uh, strut your stuff up on the. Go-go I was platforms. just going to say, Brad, I'll be <laughs> yeah. I'll be able to film that. That is such a cool idea. I think the series is amazing because just like us like oh man we missed that that event well now it, the, it. the word That's gets it. out and it's going to uh, be yeah. on the same the same time every month so you can kind of get it in your head same with the right. burlesque series it's going to be the same time every month so you can kind of think about that I when is that, that launching so the first of the burlesque series is november it's that november. thursday okay so yeah so if we could narrow down like one word for cincinnati that you could pinpoint. We're going to ask all the guests this. Mm-hmm. As far as like what lights you up about the city, it can be like a sentence or a word as far as what, why you love Cincinnati or that kind of theme. Catalytic. Oh, Ooh, he did it. Yeah. Yay. I love that. That is cool. Yeah. Man, yeah. you just mic drop, Tom. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what drives that for you? I mean, what, what takes you to catalytic? People 
talk about ideas and then they do them. Yeah. And they might have to fight a little bit to make it happen. They, it's not easy. The struggle and the hustle are real, but they talk about it and then they do it. And then the city, more so than a lot of other cities, helps to yeah. make that happen. You've touched literally every area and the whole point of us was to shine light on each of these individually, but you just did it all in, in yeah. one show. <laughs> That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced and recorded at Play Audio Agency. You can subscribe and follow Underrated America Cincinnati wherever you like to get your podcast. If you'd like to keep in touch, check us out on Instagram and YouTube. You can find links to all of our socials and the show notes. Most importantly, please share with anyone who would also enjoy Underrated America. Until next time, we'll see you around Cincinnati. Lovers or haters, come up and say hi. We dare you, Brad? Uh, No, I mean, I don't think it was going to happen.